You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Curtain up, theater people, and welcome to your program is your ticket. My name is Sean Chandler, and I'll be your host. Your program is your ticket is a discussion of smaller theater works and the people and organizations that make it happen. As many of you know, your program is your ticket is a helpful system where your program is literally your ticket to get into the theater in smaller, more intimate productions. It's these works we like to highlight, and it's our goal on this show to feature as many of these productions as possible while still discussing the biggies. Today's show is the continuation of a new series called Act Two Places. I'm bringing on a series of guests to discuss how COVID-19 affected them and their organizations. As you all know, we've been hit hard with a complete hopefully temporary, change of lifestyle and business systems during this pandemic, and theater wasn't spared. In fact, theater has undergone one of its biggest shifts, if not the biggest shift, in the history of modern theater. This series gives theater folks an opportunity to discuss the effects of this shift on them and their organizations. My guests on today's show are creative powerhouse husband and wife team, West Heiler and Shelley Butler of Artistic Stamp a newly formed theater company that produces narrative experiences by taking audience members on an intimate journey via handwritten correspondence in one of six unique adventures, resulting in an interactive, organic, and fun experience that empowers the audience. Now, these great artists were interviewed at a different time to accommodate schedules, so you may hear differences in audio here and there. Not that that takes away from the incredible personalities you'll hear from. I'm just letting you know up front, just in case things sound a little different from what you're hearing right now. So, without further ado, I give you Shelley Butler and Wes Tyler from Artistic Stamp. Hi, Shelley and Wes, and welcome to Your Program is Your Ticket. Hi, thank you for having us. Thanks so much for having us. Oh, I'm I'm thrilled that you're on the show, and I'm so excited about this project that you've created. It's It's... It's really, really cool. And I love the longevity of it. I mean, it's, it's just great. And I have to, I was just telling this, this lovely couple that they look like the class couple out of the yearbook. If, if you guys could see this, they're like, they're like perfectly matched. It's very, very precious. Um, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about your individual backgrounds as artists? Sure. Well, I'll start. And I will say that I have not been well-rounded. I directed my first musical when I was 16. 
Uh, and out of school, I did some arts admin, primarily casting, uh, new play development and line producing. But not long after that, uh, I started directing primarily new plays and new musicals uh, and some classics. So I have been directing plays and musicals across the country and internationally for quite a long time, but exclusively directing. Uh, I started in sort of classical theater and straight plays, and then in grad school started working on Jersey Boys as associate uh, director. And I did, that led to a career in musicals and doing Broadway musicals, uh, leading up to becoming the scene director on Cirque du Soleil's Paramore and working with Big Apple Circus. So then I went from plays to musicals to circuses. And then on the administrative side, I was the producing artistic director of the New York Musical Festival uh, right before it closed. Wow. I mean, I, I was looking at your resumes and they're like, as long as my arm. I mean, you, you two have done so, so, so much. And uh, it's, it's, it's great. I love Paramore and I love Jersey Boys. And I have to say, Jersey Boys is probably the only show that I saw where I had a replacement at intermission. The, um, uh, the lead got sick, I guess, or something. And you had to replace them with somebody completely different who looked completely different and it only took like a fraction of a second just for me to make the the switch it's such a good show loved it yeah that that is a great testament to the directing to the creative team sort of what marshall and rick has created to sergio's choreography uh and to the talent that would come in for that show so that you could do that i mean that very rarely happened i think it was at the show you were at uh when that did happen actually um but it, it, those few times it did it was seamless oh yeah yeah i mean it's 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 it, it was it was fascinating that i flipped over that quickly and i usually love when that happens so um maybe that attributed to it but but the the talent involved in that show is is just sensational and i it's um rick ellis ellis Ellis, Uh, yeah rick ellis Ellis. i got to hear him speak at um, a seminar one time he's really really talented oh my god he's brilliant he's brilliant and i'll just say in terms of the excitement of being at that kind of performance, right? That's that reminder of when things are live, do you know? Oh, yeah. it, it's, it's always thrilling. It's like when there's a stop in a show or there's those moments that remind mm-hmm. you that this is a live event uh, that it's thrilling to be a part of. And that there's danger. Yes. Yes. It was kind of like, um, this is probably a crude comparison, but um, Adele breaking character when she was on SNL. <laughs> And laughing. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> it's, it, you know, all of a sudden you wake up and you're like, whoa, that's, there's, you know, there's other things going on. It's just, it's great. Not that, not that Jersey Boyd needs that kind of a jolt. It's, it's its own. <laughs> jolt, well, but so. you know, it's funny. That is one of the reasons we started this. One thing I think that one of the keys of Jersey Boys is that the audience is actually cast. And what you're cast as is fans of the concert in 1964, right? When the four guys sing out, you are now at that concert in 64 listening to Sherry. Uh, and we really wanted to try to create something where it felt like that kind of immersion and interaction happened where the audience could affect the performers and the performance and were sort of cast inside the show. Um, and, you know, on, on TV and film and a lot of live streams, you don't get that kind of sense that you watching something are actually affecting the performers. And right. we came up with this idea, which is a very direct connection uh, between audience and performer. Um, I, I believe, Shelley, you have an affiliation with Beautiful as well, right? 
Yes, it's true. I was associate director for three years on that and um, got to stage the international, uh, the Japanese company. Um, so, and um, work on it in London as well. So yes, we, we both in our family have had quite a bit of um, lovely Broadway show connection. I say that because, you know, it's, it's, it's great. I love, I love beautiful as well, but they both have the same sort of phenomenon going on in that there's one particular song that the audience is begging to yes. hear, you know, it's, it's, uh, to, you're just good. Can't take my eyes off of you in Jersey boys and natural woman and beautiful. I just remember, I was like, Oh, please sing it. Please yes. sing it. Please. Uh, you're begging. And so it's, it's just, just such a really nice build up and and um I'd, i i could probably talk you know broadway and theater with you two all day but let's go ahead and get into your project okay cool Great. um tell us how you came up with this terrific idea and evolved it into establishing artistic stamp well we you know when the pandemic hit shelly and i were mid-career directors we've worked 20-year careers, and we had this great year where we had 10 shows between us that we were going to be directing. Uh, I was doing five, and she was doing five, which is an enormous amount of shows, bigger seasons than we've ever had. Of course, all 10 of them disappeared when the COVID hit. And we were trying to recapture what we loved about live theater and some sense of, like we said before, of the audience being able to affect the performers and the performers being affected by the audience. And we really wanted to try to get them in a shared physical space. I think that's the key to that kind of interaction. It has to be a shared physical space. Uh And and we knew, well, that can't exist in a theater. It can't exist, you know, anywhere where you have to gather people together. Uh, And then there was this sort of epiphany that an envelope could be a shared physical space. And the page itself, there's nothing, there's no uh, digital barrier between you and the performer. They write it in their hand on the page, you receive it in the mail, and you read it. So it's a more direct one-on-one connection. And that felt to us to capture something more similar to that sense of live theater that we miss and we love so much. Wow. Uh, Yeah, there is, I'm going to say, I don't know if this is the right term, like an ironic intimacy to, to letter writing, and it's something we don't do as much anymore. And I, I love that you um, that you're going back to the basics with this. It's 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 so cool. Now, tell us how it works. So the audience, when you get a ticket, we have playwrights that have constructed these adventures, these narratives that play out over a series of letters, and it takes about four months to play out. Um, and then we have actors that are handwriting each letter and creating this one-on-one experience with an audience. So the actor handwrites letter, mails it to the audience. They're given a postcard to mail back. Uh, you can see this is just an example of some of the postcards that we get on a daily basis. From I them. read somewhere it's like hundreds of pieces of mail that you're processing yeah. through. Yeah, That's this is just like daily. the last few days. Um, And so the audience member writes back, and then when the actor receives it, they respond directly to what that audience member wrote. So it becomes a one-on-one relationship, and it becomes very intimate, very personalized, and we like to use the word bespoke. It is like a hand-tailored suit, this bespoke adventure. And a big part of the actor's job is to improvise, and that is why we discovered that actors were integral to this journey, 
uh, that it wasn't just about people with beautiful handwriting because they need to thread back into the, the primary story so that you stay on that journey. But they also really need to interact with you as the audience member. So they have to really take in what they're, they have to listen like great mm-hmm. actors do um, right. to what they're being given and respond to that. How are, uh, what's the excitement level with, with the actors in participating in this? Well, one of them said, you know, we thought that the audience members may become really connected to the characters. Because, of course, it's all fictional characters. The actors sign the name of the character created by the playwright, the given circumstances, the world. They're improvising inside that. Um, but then the actors started saying the reverse is happening and we're getting really connected to the audience members. One of our actors said, I know someone I should set this audience member up with. I'm like, no, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> no, no Tinder or or oh, no. scrub or matchmaking allowed. That's a, I'm sure that's a very very good that's a very good uh, standard to have. That's <laughs> that's great. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Um, let's, let's go back to the, uh, the first few days of the COVID theater shutdown. What was that like for you? How, like, take me back to that first day or two when it all started happening. Because 10 shows to, to shutter permanently or temporarily, I don't know. It's a lot to handle. What were you feeling? Absolutely. Well, I'll say that it was a partly a feeling in motion, which probably colored the experience for us. So mm. when the pandemic hit, West was in rehearsal in Las Vegas uh, for a show called I Illuminate at Planet Hollywood. And um, our 10-year-old son, Dashiell, and I were, the plan was to go spend spring break in Vegas with West. Mm-hmm. And then I was headed to uh, California to direct Arcadia for South Coast Rep. So that ah. was what we thought was happening next. Dash and I arrived in Vegas and two days later, all of Vegas shut down. Oh my gosh. So, you know, at that point, none of us knew, right. What was ahead. So right. we decided, okay, well, we're in Vegas. What should we do? And we rented an RV thinking, Oh, we'll spend a week. We'll go to the Grand Canyon, then everything will reopen. Right. Well, of course, over the course of that first week, we realized that was not going to happen. And so we uh, made the decision to drive cross country. And um, so we were able to do a lot of thinking, sort of sheltering while mobile. Uh, And over the course of that RV ride, of course, the call started coming in. You know, this show is delayed. This show might go ahead. So, you know, we were a little bit fortunate to be able to process that as we went. Uh, And then we landed in South Carolina, uh, was where the first phase of the began. My my dad lives there. So we I say I moved back home with my dad for two months. We had a place in New York, but we were staying there because there wasn't work in the city. The school had gone completely virtual by that time. Um, So I uh, was in this project that the Orchard uh, Project had done called the Liveness Lab, where they gathered about 120 theater makers to talk about how do you provide a sense of liveness 
in this pandemic world where it's all mm-hmm. Zoom and VR and live streams and all this. And most, they would have these small groups and almost everyone went to the Zoom or the VR, the live stream or, you know, how to work with different apps, all this stuff. Uh, and there was one room that said anything for text messaging plays, email plays or plays by mail. And I went in there. Often there was only me and one or two other people in this room out of these like no wow. one cared. Uh, Jeez. As we would talk, I got really excited about what they were talking about, what we were saying, and the idea of the power of a handwritten letter. And, you know, how much when I was younger and I would get one from a friend or uh, a parent or a girlfriend, how much it meant. And there was sort of an electricity in it. And there was a woman in there named Natalie Ann Valentine. And she was talking about writing letters to people. And she had all these great ideas. And she's like, you know, sometimes we would send seeds so that they could plant. And I started to realize, oh, yeah, letters have a tactile sensory quality. They can be scented. They have pictures. You know, you can send recipes with them. It can be much more intimate. And so uh, we started talking, and Natalie was one of the first playwrights we hired to write one of the plays for our season. Uh, Another person that was sometime in that room was named Katie Chidester, who now is one of our actors. Uh, And then, you know, I I brought this to Shelley. And I had maybe brought tons of ideas during the pandemic and everything. She was like, no, 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 these are crazy. These are crazy. <laughs> and I mentioned letter writing. She's like, yes, that's a great idea. Uh, and then brought these amazing ideas of playwrights that we could hire and the way the project could really grow. So then sort of pairing new play development, new play experience with this idea, we realized we could carve out these arcs of stories uh, and start to, to have something that felt like the spark of a live experience. I'll add that after South Carolina, we were fortunate. My parents have a tiny cabin on the ocean in Maine. And we had six weeks there sort of staring out at the ocean uh, because there wasn't a reason for us to be back in New York. Um, Jackson didn't have school. And and there there was nothing to run back to at that point. So we had this kind of gorgeous six weeks to look out at the ocean and, you know, cook simply and brainstorm. And I feel like that is kind of what gave us the final fuel to say, not just, oh, we have this idea, but, oh, wow, we're going to manifest this into a real thing and we're going to try and make it happen. That is so so cool. Now, audience, if you haven't figured it out yet, due to my hints and um, uh, Wes and Shelley talking about it, they are married. You've been married <laughs> for, as you said earlier, 13 years. Yes. yes. Wow. Just wow. had our 13th anniversary. Uh, congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> That's very, very cool. Um, it, it's funny because I, I sort of picked up on the, I proposed it to her and she, I proposed all of these to her and she said, no way. And <laughs> one of my other interviews in this particular series, uh, Act Two Places, is was done with uh, uh, an artistic director and a writer who it's these two guys, they're married, they live in Dublin and they did the same thing. Like they would bounce ideas off of each other. And they said there was, there was a lot of rejection, but being married, you know, maybe that, I don't know, uh, couched it a little bit. So uh, hopefully you you didn't, you didn't take it that hard. Did you West? Well, these are, I mean, all these ideas are sort of big epic ideas and Mm -hmm. the amount of work that they take to have them go forward is substantial. So I very much rely on Shelly to say to me, listen, that dream is totally insane. (laughs) I mean, we trade ideas as well. It's not a one-way street, but I I think, you know, um, 
for me, trying to figure out, you know, we've spent 20 years doing the same thing, lots of different ways, many different shows, but essentially directing. And so, you know, it it was really during that pause and continued pause, trying to figure out how to apply those skills in a way that was exciting. Um, Both, you know, could, could we achieve these massive goals? Were we on to something that we thought we could find an audience for that was needed right now? And did we have the right tools to be able to manifest this way, you know, this idea into something exciting? Exactly. That's, that's, that's an awesome checklist. Now, now, back, now back to the back to the project. I, I've noticed that um, the on on your website, the various projects they say I believe it's performance in progress. Yes. So th- that's the actual act of the letter writing and the story development, right? That's it's right. Like it's, that's okay. Right. That, that's so cool. And so, what's what's going to happen when? there's an actual performance. Well, the performance is hap- happening. So we, you know, I said it's like a four month uh, time frame between the first letter being sent and the last letter being received. And mm-hmm. we made the decision that we would only sell tickets until the first letter is sent out. And then we won't put tickets on sale during that time frame, so that we can sort of stay on top of it and we can keep our customer care going and we can check in with um, the uh, the uh, the audience members and the actors are almost all in the same place. So all the audience members are experiencing the narrative pretty much chronologically. And then at the end of those four months, we'll open season two. And in season two, we'll do some new shows and we'll put tickets on sale in November to start in January. And that will go until like April. And, and during from, from when it starts in January until April, you can't get a ticket. So we're keeping this, this sort of theatrical sense of it. But at the so present, in- the... The entire conceit is this analog experience. Mm-hmm. So it's live in that you can receive this in your mailbox and have the excitement of that and, and live the story and participate and influence and change the story by your response. But that is the performance. Oh, okay. And so in essence, you are also creating a, an audience like you'd have for an audience. You know, the people who buy a ticket to this, they they can they're participating and they're also part of the performance and that's right. um, that's, that's really smart that is really <laughs> really smart I I, I mean I kind of want to buy a ticket because I want to see what's happening but I guess I have to wait <laughs> until the next six stories um, occur and and you also have a variety of stories you have uh, some for for kids you have an LGBTQ talk about that a little bit. Sure. So we've got uh, six plays. Our playwrights are uh, John Sood. I'll go through each one. We have John Sood, Ben Bonema, Matt Schatz, Lynn Kwan, November Christine, and Natalie Ann Valentine. Um, they've all written different plays. John Sood wrote a romance in which it's a very epistolary romance in which you're getting and writing love letters. Uh, Matt Schatz wrote a sort of dark comic mystery that, that's sort of a um, treasure hunt in your own house. Uh, and plays with nostalgia. It's, it's from a guy, it begins with getting a letter a high schooler wrote to himself, but 20 years ago. So you get a letter that's 20 years uh, old. So it deals with what was happening back then and what's happening now. Uh, ben Bonema's is an, uh, it's a piece through time. And there are three composers who all dream the same melody in their subconscious. 
and they all happen to be LGBTQ. And he's trying to figure out why this melody is living in their subconscious and you're helping the musicologist solve the puzzle. Uh, we have a sci-fi fantasy that Alin Kwan wrote for children. Um, November Christine's is on Ida B. Wells. It's historical sort of reenactment where you're writing to Ida B. Wells uh, right during the Reconstruction era, um, right post-slavery when all the Jim Crow laws were being created and written. And she's going through this and, and starting her investigative journalism. And then you, the last piece is Natalie Ann Valentine, who wrote this uh, piece with Wiccan and witchcraft where you have to sort of cast spells uh, inside your house to help uh, to help keep the darkness at bay and end the chaos that's happening in the world. Now, all this stuff that's happening in the house, is that stuff that that you probably should be doing and writing about and experiencing as all of these ideas are exchanged? I mean, it's, is, it, is it that active? Oh, yes. You as the audience member are meant to participate. Absolutely. Ah. Yes. Um, uh, I don't want to give too many away because some of these we will uh, series will will run again. But uh, but I'll say in Natalie's, for example, you are sent an item um, that has a spell on it, uh, has a glyph. You follow that glyph and uh, enact a spell and send back the remnants uh, to the character you're writing and otherwise. So it, it is it is quite interactive in that way. <laughs> That is so cool. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely playing on the next one. <laughs> now this is all this is all so lovely and and I, I I wonder were there any obstacles that you encountered um as you were developing uh the program and I mean talk about that a little bit. Absolutely. I, I think I'll say first, I, I touched on this a little bit earlier, but uh, part of it was the pivot or transition for us uh, because we've both been directors for a long time. And, you know, to manifest this, we really had to transition into being becoming producers. Right. And so uh, uh, in the operation really began the two of us out of our living room. So becoming, you know, versed in marketing and, you know, website creation and social media, all of that is really quite new to us. So uh, uh, acquiring a lot of skills and seizing on the, the skills that we had to expand those, that was, that's a, was a pretty big obstacle and challenge for us to, to launch. Uh, we also had to learn how to navigate the U.S. postal system. I want to <laughs> say this, too. I don't, it, when, is this going out uh, after the election or before the election? I, I, at this point, I'm not really sure. Okay. Um, it's, it's the, the shots are being called by uh, other people in conjunction with me, but uh, I would love to hear the well, then, Sean, second half of the you, It is too late to mail your ballot. You have got to <laughs> go in person or drop it off. We know it takes it can take up to a week right now for letters to be sent uh, and received. Um, you know, we had this beautiful stamp that we were doing all of our uh, return addresses on. Wes was really excited about it. I have to tell you, like he all he wanted to do was use the new print stamp that showed artistic stamp and our address. We must have stamped a thousand of these little postcards. And I'll sort of show when the, we realized that half of them, uh, the USPS machines could not read. Couldn't and so they them. got returned to post. So then we had to put this little, you know, label over all of our, you can see our sort of stamp back there. We had to put this label all over it uh, to fix that issue. So that was one challenge. And then, you know, other things we learned, like if we put props in letters, um, they won't, you know, if it's not bendable at all, 
the machine won't accept them. We thought, oh, gosh, ah. how are we going to afford this? We're going to have to send $7 to pay for each one of these. Well, that's not going to work with the price of the ticket. Um, and then I learned if you just attach a 15-cent stamp, it becomes non-machinable. And a human looks at the letter rather than a machine. So it's like things like this that we're learning as we go. Did you ever think you'd learn this much about the post office? No, no, definitely not. I will say that, that the folks who work at uh, our local post office are phenomenal and they have helped give us a lot of the education as we, you know, made some early mistakes and learned what works and doesn't work. Ah, well, you two are both so charming that I'm sure that they were happy to do it for you. <laughs> you know, and you're giving them business too. So, yes, yeah. Well, that is one of the things that we were excited about in launching this company and the decision to stick entirely to the U.S. Postal Service for all of our mailings. We want wow. to support it in every way. Yeah. That's great. That's, that's really a nice thing to do. Um, how do you plan to evolve artistic stamp once we get a grip on and begin evolving out of COVID through vaccine or herd immunity or whatever um, it takes? Well, one of the first cues that we plan to take is from our audience. So our audience has been vocal and we've heard from more than one, please continue this post-COVID. I'm attached to the experience. So, you know, we launched this initially really as something for us to be able to create during this time when we couldn't direct live theater um, and when audiences didn't have that option. Uh, we wanted to create something safe and something, you know, fruitful uh, artistically. But we're learning that it, it, it has legs beyond the pandemic. Um, we, you know, we want to scale up. We're talking about doing more shows, trying to partner with uh, other organizations, uh, theater companies and presenting theaters to become part of their virtual season in which the shows will be exclusively presented through them. Uh, we're talking about going international. So we'd like to create a version of Artistic Stamp in Canada and one in England. And we're trying to increase accessibility. I hope next year we'll be able to offer some letters by Braille for those who are visually uh, impaired. Um, we'd like to be able to offer some of these in multiple languages as well, uh, so that people who, you know, English is not their first language or want to keep their native languages going or practice another language can get tickets. Um, and, and hopefully get some corporate sponsorship so that we could start to offer these at a lower ticket price to like public schools and to retirement centers and things like that. So these are all sort of avenues we're pursuing. And I'll say additionally, uh, part of why we were able to launch this is we were looking at ways to innovate. And I think we want to stay alive to what's happening in the world. You know, we don't know what that will be, but I could imagine a future uh, incarnation or a future letter that was, say, one of our treasure hunt uh, uh, stories that had a live component locally, you know, down the road when that's a safe thing to do. So there's, in one of our journeys right now, John Suits has a live phone call. So I think we're always going to be looking at other ways uh, that it can evolve and, and, we, and be really interactive. I, I know that we plan to stay analog uh, because there are other people innovating in great ways in video formats. And I think that's fantastic. Uh, but we want to not do that. We want to create a different kind of experience, but that may take different forms. Wow. This is where you were, after hearing all of this, this is where you were probably glad to be one of three people in that room. I would think <laughs> because it's, it's just a, such a nice genius idea. And I love that you are planning on taking it above and beyond. And um, it, that's actually happening quite a bit with the people that I'm interviewing 
Um, I've, I've, uh, I interviewed a, a gentleman from a theatrical company who creates and develops theater out of Chicago. And um, he, he says that he, he, he was, it was requested that he do a Zoom musical for kids in school so that they have something to do so that they sure. can continue to, to establish their artistry. That's such a critical time for people who, uh, who are artistic. I mean, everybody, but it's, it's when you really attach and develop. And he said that at this point, every, because it's such a new thing that he's doing, everybody wants it. And he, he said his, his business is doing really, really well. So, but it's, it's, it's him. It's you guys being leaders and analyzing and figuring out what do we need and, and listening to people and working with people. It's, it's truly amazing that you're, you're doing this. And I see this going on, especially after what you just, I saw it before I heard your answer. I can just see this going on for a long, long time. It almost reminds me of um, uh, like interactive theater. Like uh, there was a show in a mansion in LA. Cause I, I, lived in LA. We lived, my husband and I lived in LA and we moved out here five years ago. It was called Tamara or Tamara. And one of those interactive, you go into a building kind of things. They're so much fun. And, and this is like a version of that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You know, we have, it's the, the response is so different because most audience member, you're playing yourself, right? The letter gets addressed to you and you're writing as yourself back to these characters, but some have created fictional identities and say, no, my name is this. And they're, they're casting themselves as like a character in the story or a whole fictional idea they developed for them. So it's, I think they're like, Ooh, I get to act too. It's like, sure. If you want, you know, it's all on the table. Well, that's also acting without being on a stage and dealing with stage fright. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who fall into that category. Oh, that would be so fun to do. And you're uh, allowing them that outlet. It's that's that's really smart. Um, I'm sure I'm not telling you anything you haven't already thought of, but I just I, I was just hu- I'm hugely impressed with this concept. And I'm a reader. I like to do a lot of reading games and, and it's 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 very cool. Um You've talked a, a, few, a little bit about this uh, with your previous answers, but what is the biggest positive surprise you've had, if any? And people have had a lot of these uh, that's occurred with the creation of Artistic Stamp as a re- result of COVID and its effect on theater. Sure. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be bold and, and go beyond one answer. Okay, <laughs> but sure. But I'll say first... I'll say first, maybe on the sort of smaller, smaller level, the biggest surprise has been how well it has worked, um, specifically about the audience response. So we spent a lot of time trying to figure out how do we make this as user friendly, as easy as possible. So that is why, you know, we, we did the postcard that's pre-stamped. So it's very easy with everyone and how busy they are, you know, to just jot an answer and send it off. And we spent a lot of time dramaturgically with the playwrights trying to really engineer it so that you would feel like you needed to participate that, you know, to really, how can we make the, the end of that letter just demand a response that you really want to reply that has proved unnecessary. People <laughs> have been vigorous in their responses. We Sometimes they do send the postcard back, but a lot of times they send back something oh handcrafted, something painted. They send back uh, 
pages and pages of replies and they don't have to, to be clear, you know, you can participate in this without devoting this kind of time to it. But we have found that we did not need to prod them. They, they are hungry for connection. They are hungry to participate. And so that was a surprise to us in terms of how, how eager the audience is and how ready they are to be a part of this kind of collaboration. Yeah, we actually we just received this literally today, and this person hand watercolored the entire back of this, and then this is their letter. And they wrote, "Don't send me postcards anymore. I'm going to use my own envelopes." <laughs> well, and now, now is that something that you encouraged or you brought up, or did they just start doing it? They just started doing it. I mean, once they do it, you know, the the character they're they're interacting obviously celebrates that, and they're encouraged to continue on that route. But we uh-huh. really just put the postcard in, ask for your response. Um, you know, in the in the initial uh, welcome, they're told they have that option. If they'd like to send a longer letter, certainly that they can. Uh, but they've really taken it upon themselves. And I'll also say, West mentioned them sort of recasting themselves. And um, the, the certain audience members really have gone far in that direction, which has made some challenges for us and the playwrights and the actors in that you know, um, we we're, we have them on a certain arc of story and sure. they sometimes have made up entirely other bits of information that would, you know, take the story uh, wildly off its track. So we, we've had to um, do some great acrobatics to figure out how to say yes and to those things that they're creating, mm. but allow them to stay on a journey that, that you know, has been crafted by a playwright as well. One audience would have tried to kill the lead character. I, thought, oh. I was so sad to hear about your demise. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we had a, a brilliant actor, you know, come back with, I think perhaps... We're in parallel universes. That's so interesting that that's happening here. There. Here's what's happening in my universe. How do the playwrights respond to that? They, they do they love it? it? Yeah, I mean, the, like I say, the playwrights gave an outline for each letter in the beginning, um, or and and you know the text for it. Uh, and as they come in, the actors do improvise. But sometimes they'll write to the playwright. You know, Matt Chats, for example. There's a poem in his first letter. And one of the audience members says, I love these poems. Will you keep them coming? So we went to Matt and said, listen, they, the audience members asked for more poetry. And so he wrote another poem. Now, that's the only audience member that got a second poem because no one else asked for it. So it really becomes unique to each individual audience member. And I will say it's a, it's a particular brand of playwright who was bold enough to, to, you know, this not having existed before, to decide they wanted to create with us. So we're naturally drawing a certain kind of collaborator that would be excited by discovering the twists and turns as we go. And also, although they had an outline in several letters, none of these pieces uh, had a, a, a completion when we first began the journey with the audience members. And some of the playwrights have decided to make big changes based on what they got back. So, you know, one piece, for example, used to have one solid ending and now it's got four alternate options uh so they they've been really game uh it's a brilliant bunch of six and they've been really game to create with us wow that's cool it's um just to go back a few minutes for those that are listening who um aren't in involved in theater artistry but just like to listen about it um tell us tell them what yes and means 
So, you know, you, you don't deny what you're given. If, if you're doing a scenario and improv, yeah, an, improv, an audience member adds an idea rather than saying, no, that's not true. Or no, that's not what happened. You say, yes, that did happen. And here's what also happened. So the yes is to make sure they're seen to take their idea in. And the and is to build upon it um, so that it becomes a collaborative sort of form of storytelling. Um, I, you know, I, yeah. No, go ahead, please. I was just going to say, uh, also, you know, that's what we're sort of working on here. I think glo- globally or certainly nationally with the pandemic shutdown, you know, we chose to innovate. And we said, OK, we can't do theater the way we were used to. You can't do it in a stage with a proscenium theater and an audience gathered. Um, what's a different way we can capture that live experience? And I'm sure there are other companies also innovating in different ways than we are. And I think it's a good time to think not only about, you know, what we do and what we say, but actually how we do it. So let, let's take a moment to actually question the form uh, of the theater takes place in and see what innovations are possible. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, and it would be remiss not to mention, too, the racial reckoning that is happening in theater right now that I think the pandemic has allowed that mm-hmm. this art form, you know, which we said to people, if you are oppressed, if you are marginalized, come into the tent of theater. We're this big tent where we're all a family and, you know, here there's equality. And then to reckon with it and say, no, even within the big tent of theater, there is systemic racism and to try to address that issue. So I think the this pandemic putting a halt on everything allows innovation, both in terms of positional power in terms of the content of the storytelling and even in terms of the very form in which we present these narratives. Great answer. And, and I'm glad that, that you clarified that and that you brought that into the conversation. I really am because I think sometimes we think because we're so, a lot of liberals are in theater and and a lot of conservatives as well. Um, And we have a certain amount of, of latitude and what we can do, uh, a lot of people don't pay attention to the the boundaries that really should be there. And you're right, there is a reckoning, and and it's long overdue. Um, and okay. and I, I'm glad that that it's happening. Every time I, I I hear a piece of news that moves that reckoning forward, I think it's it's great. Even we, we just can, now, you know, SDC, our union, uh, did a uh, study into directors uh, during the pandemic. And I know sort of for male and female, the contract, the remote contract SDC created, men are averaging $100 uh, per contract and women are averaging $77 per contract. And, uh, you know, uh, persons of color uh, in the directing community are getting far less jobs and more likely to lose their union health insurance right now. So all of these issues are very much the forefront. Massive work ahead of us. Yeah, absolutely. Indeed. Um, okay. I have to ask one question that, oh, I, I asked this question when I'm interviewing a couple that works together because 
my husband and I, we've been together for 30 years and we've been married for 13 and um, we're together all the time. We wrote a play together that's been performed throughout the United States and we run a business together. Um, and it, it, it sometimes takes a little bit of work. What, what's it been like working together for the first time? Yes. I mean, I, I could have answered this under obstacles as well. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, particularly directors, you're you're used to sort of um, having the final word, uh, collaborating with producers and all of your all of your teams certainly. And there's a um, horizontal leadership within directing as well. But you know, uh, we're we're not. We certainly haven't done. We did one co-directing project a long time ago. But for the most part, we have you know helmed our own ships. And so, sure. um, starting to figure out which things each of us would be responsible for. And I will also say the truth is as, as two freelance directors, one or the other of us is typically out of town three to four to five months out of the year, not consecutive, but you know, we have uh, 13 years of rhythm, which is, you know, a a, a handoff with childcare, but also, you know, we both are used to having alone time um, as we're directing out of town and switching that off. So suddenly, this is the longest stretch we've been in one space together. In all 13 in, years in all 13 of marriage. Years. <laughs> I don't think we've ever seen each other every day for five months. <laughs> so, you know, the, the challenges of finding a rhythm, but then also the excitement of rediscovering each other's creativity and finding, you know, where one of us might have a deficit, where the, where the other ha- has, a, has a great skill set. Um, and how we can build, uh, you know, suddenly having two minds at the center of this. There's absolutely no way I think either of us could have launched this by ourselves or would have had the courage to do it. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, a lot of this, we're the entire administration staff right now. We're the CEO, the COO, the general manager, the, the doing contracts, doing payroll, doing account. We are the entire admin staff of this company. And the truth of it is, neither one of those were in our wheelhouses. We're both freelance directors. We're normally the ones that are brought in, you know. Or, you know, when I was a producing artistic director, I had, there was an executive director and a general manager and a marketing manager and a whole support team set up. So, uh, when it comes to these issues, it's a little bit like hot potato with us. It's like, you do it. No, you do it. No, you do it. No, you do it. You know? Um, but I think when it comes to the creative side, when we are in our wheelhouse, it's really, uh, something very beautiful when we're, when we're doing what we love to do, which is looking at the audience, uh, actor relationship, looking at the way these narratives are unfolding, working with the actors, working with the playwrights, dreaming um, on what, what yeah. plays we might do in the future and who else we might commission or collaborate with. And I won't speak for her, but, uh, for me, I love doing this with her. I think, I think that part of it is really, really rewarding. Agreed. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I was almost going to say Shelley, but you, you, you picked, you picked it up right away. And, and yeah. as you should, and, and you know what, I can, I can feel the happiness that, that is your relationship and that this has brought you. And it's probably a nice, um, I don't want to say distraction, but it's probably nice to have this, to have something that you're focusing on, especially since it's been so wildly popular. Um, and, uh, you know, as opposed to, I know a lot of people, and I don't, I don't shame anybody for what they do during COVID. No. There's a lot of people who don't want to, they just, they want to do exactly what they need to do and maybe, you know, watch TV and eat and go to bed. And that's fine. But um, it's probably Absolutely. very nice that you have this thing to connect to 
independently of what's going on in your relationship, even though it is probably become a big part of your relationship. So no, um, it, it's true in some ways similar to our audience members, but having this outlet, uh, it, you know, a way, a place to channel our creativity ha- has been essential for us in terms of navigating the pandemic. And I absolutely agree. You know, everyone has to navigate this, however, keeps them healthy and, right. and, you know, um, feeling okay. Uh, right. we, we were just fortunate that for us, um, we couldn't, we couldn't sit on that creative energy, uh, any longer. Uh, we were sort of spinning. And, uh, so finding, creating this, really gave us that outlet that we needed. That's excellent. Um, Now, before we go, can you please tell our audience where they can find Artistic Stamp and keep up with your plans for the present and definite future? Uh, Yes, you can go to our website, www.artisticstamp.com. Um, and everything's there. There's a waiting list that you can get on. Uh, we are on social media and we'd like to have more followers on social media. <laughs> so you can find us on Facebook at artistic stamp, uh, or on Twitter at artistic stamp and on Instagram, we're at the real artistic stamp. And, uh, that's the only one that's here. We, we, please join us on those. If you join I, up, we put the announcements on, on social media before you'll find out first. Press release. You'll find out first. And I think the Instagram account, uh, the, the real artistic stamp is a great, we have a lot of some of that audience response that uh, you can't see on the podcast, um, but right. maybe you see video. Uh, you can see some of what's been coming in from our audience members, some of that artwork, some of those sentiments. If you look on Instagram, we're, we're sharing a lot of that. So you can get a real feel for what the experience is like. This, this person sent us pictures of their cat. That's, that's from the young audience. That's from the young audience series. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna say like costumed selfies, and 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 then you went straight to the cat. <laughs> oh, it's great! It's great. I mean, that's my favorite part. The best thing about all of this, you talk about the days and getting through COVID. My favorite part of every day is going to the post office, uh, getting the letters from the audience members, seeing the beautiful letters we were getting back and then uh you know getting those letters to the actress to write the response wow that's that's amazing i am tremendously impressed with the two of you and what you've done and how you've handled adversity not just you know for yourself but you're you're spreading this this tonic if you will out into the world and um it's it's just it's just terrific and i'm really at a loss for words but i am kind of at a loss for words because this is so brilliant and brilliantly successful just major congratulations well we really appreciate that affirmation and that support it's it means a lot and that kind of enthusiasm i think buoys us to 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 carry forward Right. Doesn't that help? It does. It, <laughs> yeah. does. it does not hurt. <laughs> yeah. As artists, we, you know, we work and we work and we're inside of our head and what are we doing wrong? What are we doing wrong? And it's nice to have people tell us when we're doing something right. And because um, I don't think that we do it deliberately enough. And so, so just awesome job. You're just, you're thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for being on your program as your ticket, Shelly and West. You have been sensational guests, and I wish you many broken legs with this super cool concept as we navigate our way to a better future for theater. 
Well, folks, the proverbial 11 o'clock number has been sung and the vows have been taken, so it's time to lower the curtain. Once again, a big thanks to my guests Shelley Butler and Wes Heiler of Artistic Stamp. They were awesome. What a cool, inventive concept. You can find more episodes of Your Program Is Your Ticket at www.facebook.com, Your Program Is Your Ticket. I'm on Twitter at at Program Ticket. The website is yourprogramisyourticket.com. Your Program Is Your Ticket is on iTunes and SoundCloud and now on the theater website, Thespy. Join their website. You'll love it. Also, a great big thank you to the amazing Broadway Podcast Network, who has honored me with a place on their incredible theater podcast platform. Broadway Podcast Network is all about creating an engaging, immersive, user-friendly experience where theater stories of all kinds can easily be found, shared, and enjoyed. Please visit them at bpn.fm slash your program is your ticket. FYI, I appreciate all good ratings, reviews, and subscriptions. They really help my profile, so if you'd be so kind, I'd love that. A quick thanks to North Coast NYC, the hip-hop improv theater ensemble that does my intro and outro music. You might be hearing it right now. Folks, take a little time to visit theater websites and see what they have to offer as we transition through and out of this pandemic. Watch their content, give them all great ratings and reviews, and most importantly, donate, donate, donate. It's the quickest way to get the money. Thanks for listening, everyone. And until our next show, so long, theater people. And Kurt. Hey, it's Leslie Udom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.